When we talk about deep water, we're really thinking white sand beaches in the tropics. Alas. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined by unhinged lunatic Alex Plum, and truly an avatar for Spartan Twitter right now, a man (laughs) of the moment. Alex, how are you? Oh, I've been in a death spiral since yesterday. I didn't eat today. I didn't drink today. I didn't sleep today. I've only Did you feed your chewing. animal, though? It's irrelevant. <laughs> it is irrelevant because she couldn't win the football game. So why should she eat either? We've not <laughs> been healthy over here at the Plum Household, and we are accepting thoughts and prayers. T's and P's for the Plums, uh, particularly for Plum's partner, who probably needs all the T's and the P's. Uh, thank you, of course, everyone for listening. Uh, if we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. And Plum, uh, got a call out. We got our, I think, first one-star review. Someone ah. apparently does not care for our politics and thought that that was a good reason to uh, dump on us, despite our common fandom and their decision to hate listen every week so friends if we could for those of you who listen regularly and there are more than like five of you if you could please take the time to go on the old apple podcast or wherever you get podcasts and give us a five-star review uh and, would- and listen if, if there's one thing you want to say that's nice it, it could be the quality of my microphone I mean, listen since it, upgrading that's just an objective truth okay go go back go back a couple months into the into the annals of this podcast and you'll know you'll hear the difference if you were holding off on that five-star review really do a compare and contrast and you'll say oh they've earned it they've earned it uh in all sincerity we would really appreciate it if you would rate review and subscribe wherever you get podcasts uh of course you can follow us on twitter and instagram at spartan underscore pod and if you want to interact uh via email you can catch us at uh can't read can't write 1855 at gmail.com uh Plum, how are we going to uh, structure this show? Obviously, Green Wall, football always leads. What can folks expect this show? Uh, This show, folks can expect a truly unhinged version of myself that potentially hasn't been seen in this podcast, although I'm not sure they've invented enough fireball to really get us there. We will try today. Let's let's start. Let's pick that fireball. Why don't we just start? Why don't we just start? Let's take a quick pause. All right. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that felt right. Mm. Cinnamon warms goodness. the spirit. Really does. Gets the uh, gets the fire glands going. Um, Let's say something nice about Scotty Hazelton. If he, if I had a beard like Scotty Hazelton, I'd be able to savor that fireball longer. You would be Zeus, my friend. You would be <laughs> Zeus. Uh, uh, so yes, we are going to we are going to reflect. We are going to reflect calmly and maturely on a very close loss. To the Huskies the clo- of Washington. The closest 11-point loss you've ever seen. Very close. I mean, you would be surprised how close that one was. Uh, we've got injuries to review. We've got special teams to unpack. We have a defense to not be defensive about and an offense to be very offensive about. And then we're going to talk about coaching. There is a little basketball news. There is a little soccer news because we have to. We might even think about what in the goddamn fuckery is going on with this board of trustees. <laughs> But because folks have come in with so many questions, 
before we take your Twitter questions, we will preview Minnesota. This week, we're going to skip off Vanover because even though it's just two of us, I expect we will be verbose. Mm. If not Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke for an audience of like 10. One, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's head behind that green wall. And uh, MSU uh, goes to Seattle, loses to Washington, 28 to 39. Uh, I think, you know, the the wheels came off right away. Immediately. You know, so many, there there were a fair number of people who I think tuned out from the game relatively early and assumed that Peyton Thorne did not play well. And really what they meant was, I didn't see Peyton Thorne play because (laughs) MSU for a quarter and the next half a quarter ran like four plays? On Correct. offense, Correct. Uh, so it was uh, it was a frustrating early start. MSU went down uh, twenty two to nothing, almost twenty. Yes, twenty. I think twenty two was the score before we finally hit the board. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and then you know, say if you've got to say one really nice thing about the team, they clearly kept playing. They never so stopped. ultimately losing twenty eight to thirty nine. You know, that's a that's a halfway decent rally when you're coming from that deficit. Obviously, it wasn't enough. Um, and in fact, it, I think it was around four some minutes left in the game. MSU had a drive that stalled out that would have made it a one one score game. One score um, game. Yep. And, you know, with with enough time for you to do something about it. Uh, and I think I think that that should if there's any red, silver lining, if there's any hope in this in this game, this is the only positive I'll probably say tonight. It is that that in in those fleeting though they were offensive moments when and I, if I ever have to listen to RG three call a football game again, oh my I, god I will kill myself that is a promise to the universe I will not ever do that again he is the CEO of his team and he's got to control the tempo I don't care that's what he doesn't sound like I hated it and this is why ESPN by the way isn't getting the Big Ten media right because. Of that, they knew that this would happen, and they said never again. Um, now I've lost my point. My point in this was big panic energy. That oh, I can't. I'm not going to do that one either. This team, this team didn't quit, and they they very nearly made it very very close. And that should inspire hope because it does speak. It does speak something to the resolve of the team and this sort of deep water commitment, such as we needed. Floaties. The keep chopping culture. Yeah. There it is. Um, Take one play at a time. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, But yeah, all in all, a a miserable start. And I don't think it could have started any more miserable than when we found out that Jaden Reed didn't even travel with the team. Jacob Slade not playing. I don't know that he made the trip either. Um, We have to discuss this because I don't... Well, can I just say for Slade, for those who maybe aren't up on their D linemen, Jacob Slade is a starting defensive tackle who, you know, is, is essential to stopping the run. And while they didn't put up ghastly run yardage numbers, uh, they ran the ball effectively enough that their pass game was able to be dominant. And, and a Jacob Slade can be a difference maker. And that also means you're missing a starter on defense, a crucial starter on defense at every level with Jacob Slade up front. uh, uh, Darius snow uh, almost certainly would have been your starting linebacker. And we'll get to more on why he really was felt as, as a missing piece in this game. And Xavier Henderson, the most tenured defensive player at your safety spot, all gone. Um, and those, of course, it turns out, 
were the crucial positions that cost us this football game and have inspired as much hand-wringing as we've ever seen on Twitter. Yeah. I think, I mean, just my unhinged take on this one, apart from I don't understand what kind of cut on the back is so serious <laughs> as to preclude it's stitches. It had better be not just stitches. It had better be such a laceration that like spinal fluid was dripping out of him like a bad oil leak on a car. I really hope for his wholeness and health because it had better have been unfathomably bad. Jaden Reed, you mean? Jaden Reed. Though I will say, the way Keon Coleman played, I don't know that yeah. I missed Jaden Reed. But I digress. The coaches are responsible. They're working the athletes too hard. Some They have to rest. They're not getting appropriate nutrition. Their mental health is suffering, and therefore their physical health is suffering. And in no particular order, T- Tucker has made some sort of deal with the devil, which is now costing the players in physical <laughs> health. So are you, are you glad you've gotten this out of your system? Yeah, it's the coaches. I don't care. It's just the coaches. The coaches. It defies logic, but it's the coaches, yes. They need to be held accountable. This is the coaches. Yeah, so let's let's go through each phase of the game because it, there were failures at uh, for offense, defense, and special teams. And, and Coach Tucker talks a lot about complementary football. All of those things need to be working in tandem, and none of them did uh, in, in this game. And so we'll, uh, I, I think, you know, we're going to have a fair conversation about the coaches and the staff. Um, and ultimately it is, they're the ones who are getting truly paid to do this. And so responsibility lies with them, but you know, you, they weren't the ones out there doing the actual play. So we're going to call some players out here. Uh, but you know, this we will get to the coaching staff. Well, I think um, and just to, just to preface it, the, tw- the, the Twitter verse has sort of become this place where uh, polar thinking has emerged. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's very disconcerting. It's not just the coaches. And it's not just the players, but to think that the players themselves are somehow blameless in this or that the coaches had nothing. To, I mean, it, 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 there's, it's a very, let's talk about complimentary football. Let's talk about complimentary responsibility. Okay. Sure. So it's not unfair that we're going to name some names today because there were a couple boners <laughs> out there that got us yeah. and how. Well, so let's start in, um, uh, other than the Rexpex God, uh, that is Bryce Berenger, who he had his own boner, uh, but uh, he's allowed one. He's he is allowed, allowed one. one. Uh, the special teams were uh, not great, ineffectual. Um, be a starting point. Uh, so uh, Bryce Berenger, uh, punt punt king, um, who who did. Uh, had a free kick after a safety that he he kicked out of bounds. It looked, frankly, like he was trying to, which indicates to me he didn't know he couldn't, uh, which resulted in Washington not only with a massive momentum swing, but then starting at the 50-yard line. At the 50, yeah. Uh, yep. Steven Rusnak. Uh, uh, <laughs> Steven, Steven Rusnak is not a good football player, and not only isn't he good at anything, apparently, he looked confused. I mean, and because of course ESPN had to zoom in on his face, but it wasn't just like self-regret. What did he do? What did he do? Tell the people. He tried not one, but I believe two onside kicks, both of which were kicked about as hard and far right off the field as you could do the goal 
for those who don't well, know. Well, he had one that didn't even go 10 yards, though. That was Oh, that was the first one. Yeah, that was the first one. I think I missed that one. The second one, though, went into Toledo from Washington. It was really an impressive kick. And he came out with his hands up, kind of like, well, what was I supposed to do? And they were like, well, let's think about he, it. He overcorrected from the first time around of not getting uh, it the 10 yards. He, it's like, he's like, I mean, and you could tell, like, he's never practiced an onside kick in his entire life. In fact, well, I'm not sure he's ever met an onside kick that he didn't want to fuck. But we got it good and how on this one. So the thing that's interesting about Stephen Rusnak uh, doing the onside kicks, though, is that Jack Stone, who did all of our other kickoffs, did not. Which tells me that Jack Stone... Truly also has never... Yeah. yeah, truly has never done an onside kick or cannot do an onside kick. And um, I didn't think Jack Stone even flew to the game. I mean, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember him well, his contribution. I mean, while we're at it, you know, let's go through all the kickers because Jack Stone had three kickoffs and not a single one of them was a touchback. Yeah, uh, that um, you know was not and, great no, uh, considering. Continue. Yeah, as you that, pull up the uh, impressive yardage they ran for on their returns. Yeah, they uh, they they did get some um, some some kick returns uh, that were um, one was for thirty three yards. Uh, yeah. So that's you know. Nice little chunk of change. Um, Unlike our guys, who could not return a kick to save their lives. Yeah. So special teams, not great. Like, and and when you are uh, not firing on all cylinders elsewhere, special teams can be the thing that keeps you in a game. Uh, and and we we failed there. Let's. Uh, we'll we'll go to the defense last because I think that's where the most of the hand wringing um, is at. So let's talk about the offense yeah um so let's say the nice things peyton thorne who did not play two very good games the last two games played an incredible game this time absolutely 71 percent completion percentage uh he and keon coleman uh were great it's it's unfortunate that he didn't really get a chance to play for the first quarter because they didn't want him to. Why? 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 Why risk it? He was so bad. I mean, listen, people came for us for somehow being tough on Peyton in the last two weeks. I'm sorry. Did you watch the last two weeks games? So, yes, we all wanted him to turn the page. Yes, as is storied in the MSU program, we, of course, played at the level of our opponents. And yes, Peyton Thorne was little better than a Matt quarterback the last two weeks. But he redeemed himself. And 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 the way he connected with Keon Coleman, the way he connected with tight end Daniel Barker was fantastic, especially with Reed not being there. I mean, the guys who he needed to hit, he hit. And he might have had one pick and, you know. but it wasn't the, even on him. Because collapsed. The offensive line was collapsed. And we're not getting into it yet, but my God. So, and, and how many times did he run for first downs? How many times did he take the hit to preserve the offensive drive. Twice, I believe, on fourth down. So yeah, he ran for... this is not the day to come for Peyton Thorne. Okay. And we have been very fair, I think, factually on Peyton Thorne. This is not the week. Yeah. Um, however, the run game, because <laughs> uh, it is in terms of gained yardage. So the for those who don't know, the way college football keeps statistics, if you get sacked as a quarterback, for some reason, they count that as a uh, a loss to your rushing yardage. When 
it, they, it should either just be other or frankly, it should be pass loss, pass yardage loss. Um, Cause that would actually make sense. Um, but so Peyton Thorne, if you take out his sack yardage, uh, ran uh, eight times for 50 yards. Um, that is more yardage gained. Uh, so if you include a sack yardage, it doesn't matter. He gained 50 yards. He lost 38, but so his net out is 12, but that's not really important. In terms of gained yardage, Peyton Thorne gained more yardage than any running back. Jalen Berger on the ground gained 28 yards. Jarek Broussard on the ground gained six yards. Peyton well, Thorne, to your point, balled out. Yeah, and and I think let's I mean let's just talk about Broussard really fast because those six yards that he got, how do we subtract yards when they are when they come in the form of points? Particularly <laughs> two points. Uh, Broussard really, really. We're gonna when we get into the defense. We're one of the nice things we'll say about the defense was that they had not one but two beautiful, uh, I believe Wisconsin esque goal line stands. That, I remember that, that game that many of us were there for. We'll never forget the lore of what it means to be a Spartan fan during the John L years, and and this it felt like that. But then when the momentum has swung on a quick touchdown, we go three and out. They've marched the ball down the field again, that goal line stand, and it says to us, this was it. This was the momentum that we need. Yeah, because I was shouting, you, I was shouting, Washington, you should have taken the points. Should have taken the points. You should have taken the points because now you've given an opportunity for a and swing. We, and we got the stop. I'm like, let's swing. go. Yep. Let's go. And I tell you this, if Broussard does not slip there, we win the game by 700 points. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is the analysis people come for? This is the analysis people come there. But I've never been, and you, and, and I mean, that might have been it. The coll- I mean, it, we collapsed again. There was one more goal line stand, and right after that, as his pocket collapsed, and he very nearly That's stepped out of bounds, pick. he threw the pick. But, 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 which is, I can't, and you'll you'll forgive the defense for never having a goal line stand again. They'll just be like, fuck, I'd just prefer to take the minutes back on the sideline so I can breathe because Christ knows this is what we do all day. Um, Broussard, that's very damn near unforgivable. Yeah, it was a, uh, well, I mean, and you saw he ended up with uh, only four, four rushing attempts. Uh, for six yards. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, talk to me about productivity. Now, you can talk about schemes, and we'll talk about whatever the hell that word means, and we can talk about plays, but at a certain point, players have to take accountability, and players have to find holes. Now, I know this is where you want to talk about how bad the offensive line is uh, at creating said holes, uh, because it also pairs that this team has no clue how to do run blocking whatsoever. It may be the first time they've heard of such a concept. Yeah, so I I think uh, the... We're going to talk a lot about scheme uh, today because um, that is the most empty word that uh, that that gets thrown around. But I th- I think what you were complaining about is the the running up the middle. Just right? why? Right. So oh, and and you're not alone. A lot of people were complaining about. And let's just give a name to it because I was cri- fair. I think fairly harsh and critis- cri- critical of Broussard. But Jalen Berger wasn't better. Maybe Jalen Berger needs to get his ass back to Wisconsin. And yeah, so for those uh, who want 
uh, Jalen Berger netted 27 yards. His average was 2.1 yards per carry. That was better than Jarek Broussard's 0.8 yards per carry. Um, <laughs> but the yeah, Peyton yeah. Thorne was your most effective rusher, and and that and it shows by his. Be the case you can't not football. That's not no right. And so here's when you talk about scheme and and the complaint that I think you're making, which is about the decision to run up the middle. That is a reflection on two things in my mind. Okay, that is one. Frankly, the talents of the running backs you have. Okay. So Jalen Berger is best at one one foot in the ground, find the hole. Like I'm going to okay. truck through, and if yep. and if and if it blocks well, I can get to the third level. Like I can probably get off to the races. But he ain't canine, right? Like he's yeah. not making eight dudes miss. Yeah. Um. That that's just not him. He's a he probably as he gets a little bit older will end up being a perfectly fine running back. You certainly hope we recruit over him but yeah. you'll be happy he's on your roster. But the other thing it's a reflection of is not so much the running backs. It is a reflection of your offensive line. And so for those wondering why we're not running outside the tackles, here's the thing. You're making a lot of assumptions about how good your tackles are. Yeah. And, and, and at some point in time, the, the scheme that everyone talks about is a reflection of your Jimmys and Joes. And so the, and what, they can do. Yeah. and what they can do. And if Spencer Brown and Jarrett Horst can't adequately hold the edge so that your guy can get around. And if you don't have tight ends who can adequately run block. And we know we don't because that was a complaint about Malik Carr and Daniel Barker owned. He was never really asked to do that. Yep. And so, it, like the fact of the matter is, is we just don't have the outside run blocking we need yep. to be able to run those kinds of plays. So then there's a third person that you can blame. His name is Jay Johnson because well, but, it took him all of a quarter and a half to realize yes. that in fact, that maybe there's a better purpose for Daniel Barker. Maybe if he can't block the run, he could or I'll receive the ball downfield, a thrown ball. Well, in, so I will I will agree in part because again we ran like four plays for a full quarter yeah. and a little bit of the second so it was you you didn't even get enough of a sample size to really complain about Jay Johnson but I will say it wasn't until the second half of the game that we saw the passing that needed to happen in order for this team to be successful you can absolutely say bro you should have adapted way sooner and we should have known this was a problem. And and frankly, we should have known where we were going to be successful. Yeah. And um and and you see that ultimately they they did adapt, probably too late. But with forty two pass attempts, that well, you can't even actually say that because you're always going to pass more when you're behind. Because um, sure. so actually, if you wanted to complain, the fact that there were twenty nine rushing attempts when we were that far behind is, is probably itself. alarming. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. that's a fair. Yeah, that's right. Um. So I here's the, we will uh, we'll get to this and I'm probably going to say this again. We were particularly you and I, Alex, not that high on this team after the first two wins. And despite shutting out Akron, despite covering the spread against Western, we were like, I didn't feel good. No, uh, I mean, if if. if uh, if there is a Spartan out there who truly felt good going into this game against Washington, 
I have questions. I, so, I mean, hope always has sprung eternal on this podcast. Always, yeah. We're gonna. I will wing. I will say that we're gonna win every game until we don't. But the, but like we didn't look good after those two games, and and I will say that things are never as it, Tucker talks about this, but I tend to agree that they were not as good as they seemed after the first two games, and they are yeah. not as bad as yeah. they seem now either. Yeah. That said, couldn't get a yard against Akron. I don't know why anyone's surprised that we couldn't get yards against Washington. Yeah. We're going to get to Washington personnel a little bit later because I want to talk about some recruiting ranking stuff. Um, but let's talk about the defense because... Yeah, this this was not Chester Kimbrough's game. This was not his Cal game. Halliday's game either. Well, it wasn't Cal Halliday's game, but I wasn't angrier at anyone than I was Chester Kimbrough because it felt like... It felt like he wanted. It felt like he might have been rooting for the wide receivers from Washington. I I felt like he was related to some of them in like a sort of mafia esque way, where he sort of knew that their success kind of spelled his ability to keep living. Uh, <laughs> the inability of our secondary to do anything about Penix, I've, it, it's beyond a concern. And I'm going to make one more point about this, and I know you want to get into the details of it. But, and this is maybe the unhinged part of the complaint. Mel Tucker has yet to demonstrate that he knows how to recruit for the secondary or that he knows how to coach a secondary that is ineffectual. And the last thing I'll say about this is, and this is respecting the fact that Xavier Henderson is out and his leadership is beyond desperately needed. It cannot fall to a singular player to redeem this because even if Henderson were on this game today, they would have still chewed us up. Uh, I'll agree in, in part with that. I, I do think Darius Snow missing in this game was a big deal. A guy who can cover because Cal Halliday uh, is a good linebacker Um and and has a lot of utility for this team, but yeah. this was not his game. Yeah, there. I mean, there was a touchdown where they changed the entire formation and went five wide, and Cal Halliday is out on an island Go covering on. a running back who's running a vert route, and like that ain't Cal Halliday. That's yep. not Darius Snow can do that coverage. Cal Halliday, that's not him, and that's and like, and that's okay. That's not. Uh, Cal Halliday, again, freshman All-American last year, he, good player. Like, yeah. that just isn't him. And But Cal Halliday, to, to, and to your point, I think, Cal Halliday is not going to choose that assignment. No, and but you can, you someone has to, like, when you, when you sure. go from, because the running backs goes to wide receiver, you have to have enough guys out there. Yeah. And, and it, you know, he tracked the, well, maybe that's where you're missing somewhere like Xavier Henderson, because maybe maybe they do things differently. I don't know. I don't, I don't but, but the either way, Washington clearly had a game plan where it was, we're going to go after Cal Halliday and we're going to go after Chester Kimbrough. And they right. did. Yeah. And, and Tucker said as much in his press conference, everyone wanted to talk about the comment about it was that when we watched the film, like, right. we're going to be sick because it's death by inches. And then everyone freaked out about that quote without what he said afterwards. Right. Right. Which was that it is about, 10 guys playing well and one guy blowing an assignment. One guy missing a block. One, you know, one guy 
not doing the thing where he was supposed to be, and it makes everyone look bad. And then he also acknowledged that th- that Washington knew they had a mismatch. Yep. And and so I suspect when we talk about scheme that MSU tried really hard to compensate for that scheme, and it it just it it, it was too much of an adjustment to to download within one week. Let's and talk about. Let's let's talk about Winman for a second because we had a lot of hopes for sacks. We had a lot of hopes for. I yep. mean, let's, let's let's talk about it. I mean, we had no effective pass rush. Well, no, I would say, that, and no, no, and no response to Penix's speed. We used to be a team that could play at tempo. This was. I mean, and, I, and listen, and I mean early, by the third quarter, the exhaustion factor. I don't blame yeah. the defense at that point. So I, let's just, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, but I mean, because they were ineffectual without the game, but that first half, my God, they were, there was one, there was one time we got there early and they called a flag, which I thought was utter bullshit. We're not even going to get into the officiating. It was garbage, unforgivable. And a couple of really blown calls early in the game that might have swung momentum. And the, yes. field, the field judge should lose his credentials. The field judge was highly unequitable with his calls. All right, please. Yeah, I, so here's the thing. Michael Penix uh, Jr. got his throws out on average in less than three seconds. That is incredibly fast. Yep. The... the the ability to get to the quarterback, like if you're getting the pass out that quickly, that's it's just tough. And and so you talk about a game plan and executing on a game plan that clearly has been what they've done. Because I don't think Michael Penix has barely been touched all season, which he needs to have be the case because he's made of glass. But the, uh, you know, I don't think that's on Jacoby Winman. That's just, they just got the ball out fast, and yeah. well, and he said, uh, and I guess to your point, he's had to learn how to do that because he's a fragile, fragile young man, fragile little baby. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't blame the pass rush. Um, they, they certainly did some things to disrupt Jacoby Winman in particular. But like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they not? Uh, uh, I, I, the thing that I'm going to take some solace in is that there are very few Big Ten teams that can replicate what Washington just did. In terms of speed. In terms of speed. In terms of having the quarterback who can execute that assignment. Yeah. And so I, I just, we'll, we'll get to the Minnesota game later, but I, I, I fully anticipate that we'll be able to see, is the pass rush, in fact, improved next week? Because we're going to be facing a more conventional style offense than, than what we just saw at, at Washington. Yeah. Um, so I, I, do we want to say any more? We have a lot of questions about the defense that we'll get into it. I, I, I just want to say, and we named it in the offense, but I'm going to say it again here because it, it bears repeating this team when given the ultimatum at the goal line to ultimately do its bread and butter to earn those NIL dollars. It did it. It did it twice. It did it in ways when they were, beyond tired it took every ounce of physicality and they did it and and i remain apoplectic at broussard and the uh, 
and and, and I mean, if I'm going to be angry at Thorne, it's it's because neither of those goal line stands, both of which in any conventional setting are impact, momentum swinging, completely rewrite the history of the game moments. Neither of them resulted in anything for us. And I understand the dynamic. I understand that you're starting at basically the one, your own one, and that the, the mechanics, the dynamics of the field are all different. But to be unprepared for that and to blow it as hard as you did is is morale deadening and it is again nearly unforgivable because it's it's the kind of thing that you, you just you can't come back from to ask them to do that. Yeah. You know, Broussard doesn't slip there and you know, who knows what this game ends up being, right? Seven hundred points. Seven hundred. The 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 other thing, because you know, I Graham Couch wrote something that um I I don't I, I don't, I, I think is a little under-researched. Maybe, maybe not under-researched because he's speaking to a sentiment, but the, you know, the idea that what hurts about this is that Washington, you know, was bad last year. Really bad. They, I mean, they lost, lost to an FCS team. Um, though the friend, our friends down the road in Ann Arbor have experienced that as well. So, you know, whomst. Uh, the, but the, the idea that Washington is farther along in their rebuild but earlier than us. Um, We, we were missing key players and we don't have the requisite depth to like, it's the depth is better, but it ain't there. You can't be missing in particular, the guys we're missing. And so Washington though, what like this is where, you know, if you if you pay attention to any individual recruit and what their star ranking is, like maybe they pan out, maybe they don't. Yeah, who cares? But if you've got enough four and five star recruits, yep, they function. You've got enough hits there, right? Yep. So I I I just took a quick peek, and I want to run over this for for folks to get a sense of where Washington was starting their rebuild from. Yeah, versus MSU. So in theory, you could go back to twenty seven, the class of twenty seventeen, because of the COVID year. But okay. let's not do that. Yeah, it, like I, I didn't even look. But so let's use twenty eighteen because that gets you your red shirt plus years, right up to twenty twenty two. So the class of twenty eighteen for Washington was ranked sixteenth uh, in the country with ten four stars and ten three stars. Uh, Michigan State was ranked 31st with three four stars and 19 three stars. Yeah. Um, the class of 2019 was uh, for Washington was again rate ranked 16th with 15 four stars hmm. and eight three stars. Michigan State 31st with two four-stars and 18 three-stars. <laughs> Class of 2020. Like, it's this, I, I'm telling you, these data points really are are important. <laughs> Ironically, Washington, again, 16th with one five-star, 10 four-stars, and 11 three-stars. And Michigan State, all the way down at 44 with 22 three-stars. Uh, class of 2021. This well, you is made tux- the point. You made the point. You made the point. Hold and I on. Think- oh, Lord. Because it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Washington does tumble to 30 at with one five star, four four stars, and 11 three stars. But Michigan State down at 46. The class of 2022 is the one that is a failure for Washington, and that's because they had a coaching change. Yeah. But notably, things like Michael Penix Jr. were a transfer in that class. Yeah. I say this, Washington had a lot more depth, a lot more dudes, and it's entirely possible, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that Washington is good. Like well, that and, is- I think, and I think this gives the lie to what preseason rankings are. Even what rank- They shouldn't even have rankings in the first three weeks. I mean, fuck. We knew we weren't that good. We were not an 11. I mean, my Christ. And and the fact that Michigan's a four, I mean, just fuck off. But my point is, none of these things mean anything. That's the point. And the fact that Washington was unranked. And so part of this, I mean, just, and that's listening to the game, listening to the commentators talking about how, this is unbelievable. This is what's happening in Michigan State. Well, no. I mean, factually, we have evidence that clearly demonstrates there are reasons why Teams will perform the way they do. I mean, hell, it doesn't, I mean, if Penix is able to move as fast as he is, that takes a tremendous amount of weight off of his O-line because they don't have to work that long on every single play. Maybe that's marginal because it's a few seconds here or there. But when you think about how long, by comparison, Thorne holds it in the pocket, it does become minutes that add up over time. Anyway, these are the things that you can work on with years of experience. These are the things that you can work on as you have the, the skill set and the depth to play around with this. I think to your point, Michigan State doesn't have it. And, and it goes back to my concerns. I know we want to spend a couple of minutes talking about coaching, and I know we'll intersperse the rest of the podcast yeah. with it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you do have to be able to take the talent that you have, and you do have to be able to speak to some of those gaps in ways that you can coach through what yeah. were glaring. I mean, and I'll just say the last thing finally it, about is, I'm beginning to lose a little bit of faith in this idea when Tuck says, well, we're going to go look at the, the film and we're going to have our hearts broken by death by inches, yada, yada, but we're going to tighten it up. Fuck, no, you're not going to tighten it up. How? How the fuck are you going to tighten You're going to teach these guys how to play football? Because some of this shit's self-evident. Well, so that, there is a little bit of concern there for me. So hat tip to Chris Vanini, because I thought this was a really interesting stat. Mel Tucker's lost uh, eight times. And... In those eight times, they've all been 11-plus losses. And truthfully, if we're being real, that first season was that bastard season where Doesn't some count. teams you know, didn't play all of their games. Oh. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's five of his eight. Five of Mel Tucker's eight losses came in a bastard season where he didn't even get to meet his team before they stepped on the field. True. Uh, and so uh, the the fact that the, the broader point being that when MSU loses, they've all been big losses, big, which big tells league. me that if you want to talk about game planning, yeah. that, that they've been misses, but that un- Mel Tucker is also undefeated five and zero, in fact, uh, in games that are decided by one score or less. The, uh, the, the, the other component and sort of this narrative of, I think a collective melting down about one early season loss is I, I don't know. I think if everyone is being real with themselves, everyone who's listening right now is being real with themselves about what their honest preseason expectations were last year. Yeah. Oh, for last no, year, for last year. They were not 11 and two. 
If you told your, if someone told you that last year MSU was going to win nine games, you'd say, I think you're being really ambitious. Yeah. And then, and then low, what has that sweet taste of success in one year done to it, to amplify your expectations about the speed of a rebuild? Yeah. And so it is, I think, a, a testament to how good Kenneth Walker was. Yeah. Be yeah. Walter the, the, Walter Camp Walter Camp Award winning running back Ken Flock. Yeah. Uh, also, some of what we lost on the offensive line, as middling as they were, they were serviceable. They were serviceable. and and yeah. we don't have that depth yeah. or that freshness this year, and it's just not as good. Yep. And so, I, you know, I before we have a meltdown about losing on the road to a Pac-12 opponent, which I love that they pointed out, MSU has not done, there's not won on the road against a Pac-12 opponent since 1957? Oh, I thought it was 2015 was our last, or was that different? Was that just Pac-12, not on the road? Okay. Yeah, we've not beat a Pac-12 team in an away game since 1957. Hmm. Um, So that is... That sucked against us. Yeah, so I, I just... Like, I, I know there are concerns about how MSU secondary is playing and the uh, schematic or game planning decisions there too. And and I think we can dissect those in Twitter questions then instead of belaboring it because there's plenty yeah. of them. Yep, yep, but yep. I just, like, let's all take a beat because Washington executed a great game plan. Penix played out of his gourd. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean he, and, he threw and, and, some incredible throws. Give credit where credit is due. And Jalen Polk. I mean, the the Penix Polk poking with the Penix poke me in the Penix. I'm surprised that that, that uh, RG three didn't get there. He, I, if if the game was, lasted longer, he would well, have gotten there. There was a lot. There was ejaculation jokes. There was some <laughs> light homophobia. I mean, there was a lot that he was really dabbling in. And I thought, you know, this is par for the course. So. The uh, but they, uh, you know, I, I just would say, let's all take a breath. I don't, we were on record early of saying this team, not, not, not great. Those injuries, probably this team is not great, Oh, but it's not that bad either. I mean, and if we should be able to get to seven wins. Yes. So. I think this team is still more than capable of getting to eight. We need to win six more games, Alex, six more games. And that's, and that's what you want to walk away and say this was a successful season. And I don't think I saw anything in this Washington game that led me to believe that this team is not capable of getting to There you go. Great, great. Well stated. Well, right. well stated. And on that note, for all of you who can't wait for basketball season, and we understand this, we understand it deeply, uh, especially after the schlacking that we just experienced. Bad news out of the Breslin Center. Jaden Akins apparently also fell into a, uh, <laughs> a, a chair and got a deep cut on his back. So he'll be out for four weeks. Now, what was yeah, it? With uh, a stress fracture? Stress reaction. Stress reaction. What, I, can't, uh, I, I, I can't with a nomenclature. I can't do it. So I think enough. it has something to do with like it's, uh, it's a premature fractulation. Uh, <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a, a full break. Uh, but he did go see a, uh, a, a special foot surgeon in, uh, Green Bay. 
and is expected to be back in time for the start of the season, though obviously those four weeks leading up to the season are, um, you know, undoubtedly important. And <laughs> uh, and you you just hope that it's it's not serious um, and that it's recoverable from and we're not in a Josh Langford situation. But well, I'm going to ask everyone to rewind the earlier part of this podcast where I blamed the coaches for creating the situations that lead to injuries. This is indisputably Tom Izzo's fault and he should be fired for it. <laughs> All right. Do we want to uh, spend a few minutes on let's, let's just say, let's just say what we believe we, we know right now around what's happening with the MSU board of trustees. Yeah. So um, what let's, let's talk about what's been published. We'll keep it, okay. we'll keep it keep there. It that. Um, and instead of uh, wildly speculating <laughs> the, so well, you, you, uh, Cranes came out with a report. The State Cranes. News attempted to do a book report on it, and it was. If, if anyone's a, a subscriber to the State News, definitely call the editorial board and let them know that you may not be subscribing much longer because there was, um, there was some issues, uh, certainly with, with the quality of that. Cranes, uh, did do a great job reporting out a little information that was more than we had beforehand, which was particularly that. A certain business school professor whose name has not yet been released uh, was at a party that was held at the B school or somewhere nearby uh, that students attended. Uh, alcohol was served and the uh, this B school professor got a little bit inebriated and tried to start going up and dancing on students and got a little handsy, was told no by a several students. Um, he did, uh, I'm assuming it's a he. I, we, again, we don't know anything about the identity of this professor other than the professor did did apparently like heed the um, did heed the the comments like hey stop so the professor stopped uh, and went on and tried to dance at the next student so anyway some inappropriate behavior anyway that were involving alcohol and some something sexually related in terms of behavior we don't know any other specifics other than it was inappropriate it was related to something that could be considered sexual and there are policies in place that require reporting for this. And these reports are self-evident. I mean, everyone knows what they are. We can talk about whether or not the Michigan legislature has made some of the reporting requirements more or less onerous, but for better or for worse, the requirements are what they are. This university, given our history, should be very happy to have as many protective mechanisms in place and should expect at the least that the most senior leaders in each of the business units and schools and departments of the university are well acquainted with the rules and do their utmost to follow them. And this is where Sanjay Gupta failed because Dean Gupta was made aware of that. And I'm not going to get all the dates right. You can check out the articles, but effectively was told within the week what had happened at this party, not just by the professor who told Gupta a sanitized version of it, but by specific students who said, FYI, bro, some shit went down and you should probably check it out. And instead of reporting that as was required by university and state law, he instead uh, accepted a bullshit request by this uh, guilty professor to take an early retirement. And then there was even more duplicity around that. The professor had basically said, I'm getting another job. But he said that Dean Gupta misrepresented it as an illness. It was neither. I mean, so sh sh should, should Sanjay Gupta be the dean of the MSU Business School? Absolutely not. He has disqualified himself by the, by the very lack of diligent attention to sexual harassment and misconduct reporting. And you can agree or disagree with it, but it's the law 
and given the history of this university with this, following the law and following those reporting uh, requirements has to be a minimum standard to be in leadership. So that much, we should be clear. Yeah, but then that doesn't get us all the way to Stanley and the (sighs) board. So So Stanley backs the termination of Gupta, which then becomes very unclear when we discussed last week because it seemed like the so we recorded and we were like Stanley may not be president next week right and then and then the statement started coming out in support of Stanley right very confusing and then we found out um uh, trustee O'Keefe who generally speaking not someone you want to hang out with not a great uh, dude was saying that Stanley did not comply with state certification requirements related to the board of trustees getting a report that uh, indicates some, uh, gives some some briefing on high profile or not high profile, but rather uh, a certain severity level cases of uh, Title IX investigations, yep, and um, as well as general statistical reporting related to how Title IX, the Title IX office is, is proceeding. Yeah. Um, and but the the way he phrased his complaint about Stanley was not so much that Stanley didn't ever provide those numbers or things to the board, but rather that Stanley signed the certification that the board had reviewed them without Stanley making sure that they did their job of actually reading the report, which was, I will say, Mr. O'Keefe, truly the most bullshit I've ever heard. Well, it's a cell phone. My God. Yes. It's it's, like, first of all, to your point earlier about the history at MSU and the the level of engagement and involvement that the trustees ought to have there it is over these things there it is uh, for you to 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 fail to do that or, and or at least say well you didn't ask me if I did my job bro that's what you got elected for yep second the if your play here is to pick a triggering and uh both triggering because it is a a, a topic of particular import to this institution and its alumni base and triggering also in that it is a black and white you either failed or didn't fail to do this uh and so therefore i can say you didn't do your job uh thing you chose to use this university's uh horrific past that's it. And this and the pain of survivors as a cudgel that to is. advance your political agenda. That's it. And and, now, and so it, you know, finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say there's there's more going on here. We've heard some other things from yeah. from from folks that we're we're not going to chat about here. But either way, the the entirety of the board side fucked this every which way. Yeah. And and their decision to embarrass this university, and not only embarrass them, but use the very thing that is our greatest moment of shame as the way that they choose to embarrass the university again, yep. is like, fire them all to the sun. And if you, yep. as a board of trustees member, are not on record in this moment about how people should be comporting themselves in the public. That's it. That's now you got then, it. Then you are That's failing it. at leadership. 
Yep. And just being silent and not being the person who's making an ass of yourself in public is not good yep. enough. What's needed right now isn't more statements about whether or not Sam Stanley is good yeah. or was right. I or don't was care. Or was wrong. No one cares. No one cares. In fact, it is appropriately the role of the board of trustees to adjudicate questions of whether or not Sam Stanley has done well and is correct or has done poorly and is wrong. What we don't need is more attention, more gossip, more fuel for the grist, more just gossip and ha ha and we're oh we're bringing all this shit fucking shut your mouths what we need is one board member to an issue a statement that pillories their colleagues and counterparts on the board of trustees because they to your point jones i love the word do not know how to comport themselves your job as an elected leader is accountability it is, but that's where it starts and that's where it stops. You don't micromanage. Yep. You don't yes, get into that. Right. It starts and stops at accountability. It starts and stops at accountability. So focus on that and shut your fucking mouths. Stop issuing statements. Stop it. And get back to quiet behind the scenes governance. You're not paid. You're not especially liked. You get amazing perks for very little work. Shut the fuck up and i think i i i would like the only time ms that that from here on out that msu appears in the headlines with anything to do with sexual assault or title nine is you know obviously you cannot stop reporting for when there are bad actors but it is either we are piloting new initiatives to to try and better the, the education and the resources that go into uh, uh, the survivors of sexual assault to educating folks on on how to not put themselves in situations where they may end up being the perpetrator of these things yeah. or advancing the processes with which these things are adjudicated. That's one column of things that can be uh, done in which MSU's name should be next to sexual assault. The other is so-and-so was fired for violations, and that's the end of it. Like, I, I'm sick of this shit, yep. and, and it is what the board has done here is both bad for the university and just yep. makes them bad human beings. Well, it just, it's self-evidently You're trafficking in some, some and, shit that, like, God. And you make yourselves look inept and beneath the dignity of your you office. are. So... With that, everybody, we are going to with an E, stands with a Z. Talk to you about our favorite mortgagee, mortgager, mortgageman, 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 a mortgageman. You know, in the traditional way, he is back in some new digs. He is our dear Mortgage friend. Mate. He is, in fact, Brandon with an E, stands with a Z, and he is with Gold Star Mortgage. Gold Star Mortgage, a Fortune 500 firm with unbelievably big volumes of mortgages over a billion dollars in fact annually for this michigan based company but that's not why you should be doing business with them you should be doing business with them because everybody wants to do business with someone who spells their name with an e and with a z it's easy it's, it's easy oh, how did we not think of this that's before really, that's good that's good that's really good that's why people listen to this podcast uh <laughs> 
like now 30, is, 100 episodes late? A lot of, lot of regular, regular listeners. Why buy now? Home prices not going down, even though increases to the rates are going up. And this is the absolute time you want to take advantage of it because if you're trying to wait out that di- uh, dip in rates, which isn't likely to happen anytime soon, you're just throwing money away. So buy that house now, get that mortgage Refi later. Why refi? Just do it then. That's what we're doing. We bought it at an astronomical rate. We might as well have bought a house at 34% interest rate. Maybe we did. Who cares? When we refi, we're going to do an, we're going to make an easy decision. That much. <laughs> I can be sure. How do we of. not think of this? I'm really angry at ourselves. We're really going to run this into the ground. Anyway, Brandon is incredibly experienced. He's taking care of one of our own, Kevin Grooch, the Grek man, who, by the way, was very social and engaging out in Seattle. We're going to be talking about uh, an upcoming uh, 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 tailgate. Don't expect any human warmth from Kevin Grek. I think he's spent all that he's had in the last decade. But either way, he served Grooch well. He's got a team with over 100 years of combined industry experience. He's licensed in 32 states. All of the Big Ten, including future Big Ten footprint, with the exception of Icky Icky Iowa. He's a consultative guy. Rates are some of the best in the country. If you are looking for any kind of loan product or a new mortgage, now is the time to contact the company Gold Star that services many of their own loans and to get in touch with our boy, Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. You can find him at goldstarmortgage.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Get that custom home solution from Brandon Sands. All right, Plum, uh, we're going to do real quick on Minnesota because here's the thing you need to know about Minnesota. They play in the West Division, ah. so they're probably not very good, but Minnesota <laughs> may be the best that there is in the West Division, which is interesting. They certainly, uh, well, almost certainly have the best running back in the West and Mohamed Ibrahim, who uh, you didn't hear about last year because in game one, he suffered a season ending injury. Uh, but dude is an absolute stud. Uh, and, and they, uh, as you might suspect, have a run heavy attack. Uh, the Ibrahim himself is, uh, has 67 carries on the year, uh, for 468 yards, uh, with the 6.9, uh, average, uh, nice. Uh, that's it, with seven touchdowns. Um, so stupid. Uh, I'm going to just say, no one could be happier that they are going to be a heavy run. I'm my God, please give Jacob Slade need to be back. Jacob Slade needs to be back. Run, run, run the ball with Moment at Ibrahim. God, please don't make Chester Kimbrough do anything in this game. Please don't. Well, we'll get there. Uh, Trey Potts is the uh, backup running back. He so Ibrahim has uh 67 attempts on the year, Potts has 40. So there's actually a decent split of carries there, uh, only averaging uh 5.5 yards per carry, still not shabby. Um, with three tutties uh himself, um, so that puts Ibrahim at 154 a game and Potts at 73 yards per game on the ground. Love now, uh, passing, uh, if Tanner Morgan is the quarterback for uh, for Minnesota, and the best way to describe Tanner Morgan is if Mid saw Tanner Morgan, it would say that's Mid. Uh, he is fine, like 
maybe good, but it's hard to say because uh, the only team who's played an easier schedule than Minnesota is Michigan. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, Minnesota did play a Power 5 comp- uh, uh, team, but they played Colorado, and Colorado is bad. Uh, so uh, Tanner Morgan, the one nice thing I will say about Tanner is that he spreads the ball out nicely. So um, three, uh, uh, his top three receivers have uh, 11, 8, and 6 yard, or I'm sorry, 6 catches uh, on the season, respectively. Uh, Chris Ottman Bell is his top target, averaging 19.45 yards per catch. Uh, Brevin Span Ford, these hyphenate, they all have hyphenated last names, Alex. So they love all it. of they them. They love a hyphen. Very progressive. Very, uh, very progressive. But don't leave us a one star just because we like how progressive their hyphenated last names are. Yeah. Uh, or that we are anti-sexual assault. Uh, Whoops. The uh, 15.88 yards for Brevin. Uh, and then Michael Brown Stevens uh, is a 17.83 uh, yards, uh, average uh, yards per catch. Um, with each of them bringing a, a, a fairly explosive play to uh, the table themselves. Um, again, though, the... They've played New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado, um, with the uh, wins being 38-0, 62-10, and 49-7. So Minnesota's very much in a prove-it game themselves. Uh, it'll be nice to be back in the woodshed. Hopefully we have Jaden Reed and uh, Jacob Slade back, uh, even more hopeful that Xavier Henderson is on a, on a bit of a recovery and is able to, to, to play as well, though I'm not holding my breath on that. Yeah. Um, so... All in all, uh, generally speaking, run heavy, which should favor this team. And I, I do think, as I, we mentioned earlier, this is an opportunity to see if that pass rush is for real, um, because this will be a more conventional offense than what we saw. Uh, and and we can send PJ Fleck uh, and tell him that a rowboat is no good in the deep water. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Nautical. Wow. Uh, I don't know about deep water references right now as we're still bailing water, bailing uh, water from the Seattle sound out of our own fucking leaky boat. But um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's head into these Twitter questions, uh, and we will start with Taylor Anderson. Plum, you're teed up to talk about this, uh, despite whatever was. I don't know where this cut's going to shake out, but uh, Taylor asks let's start on a happier note what's the can't read can't write tailgate info well taylor we have good news yes in fact at spartan underscore pod the very the very own can't read can't write can tailgate will be throwing their can tailgate annual tailgate 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 tailgate. oh this is good uh, on Saturday near the old Moral Hall. Listen, listener, if you don't know where Moral Hall used to stand, go to the uh, go to the library. Go find an old dusty copy of an old map, circa 2006. Dust it off. Look for the north part of campus where you might now find a parking deck. We remember old Moral Hall, the hall that you'd walk in and the floors were slanted. I think I. I think I had Tabby Toe's class in Moral Hall. Yeah, I think I did too, in fact. Emily Tabby Toe, was, a I professor of around. history, a historianette. That's still definitely alive. offensive. 
I don't know. What I do know is that we will be there from 10 until 1. We'll probably be there a little earlier. We'll probably stay a little beyond 1. But at the very least, we will be there from 10 until 1. We'll have beers. We'll have seltzers. We're going to have fireball. We'll have a little bit of food. Come on through. Bring your We're favorite. trying to figure out a way to make a uh, COVID-safe COVID uh, beer bong. Maybe it'll just be bring your own condom and we'll cut off the end of it and then wrap it on there. The way that God intended. <laughs> and uh, bring your pets. We're giving out free pet autographs where we autograph your pet. Uh, Yali will be there. No, she's not going to be there. That's not true. I mean, <laughs> she'll be tied to a stick in the yard of grass. And, you know, she did uh, come last time. She did come last time. Not to the tailgate, but she did come to the party. That's true. That's true. Uh, and Emily Tabito is still around. God uh, bless America. Next up, uh, from Taylor Anderson. The loss is disappointing. Are there any bright spots? Do we think eight wins is still possible? You do, Mike Jones. Yeah, so I, I think it's more than possible. Uh, the, I, I mean, I, I still think Minnesota is a winnable game. Yeah. Maryland, winnable game. So that puts us at four. We're halfway there. Uh, Wisconsin looks to be fraudulent. Uh, but let's still call that a 50, 50 game. Sure. Uh, let's assume we lose to Michigan. Who cares? Um, you got Illinois, Rutger, Indiana. That's another three wins. Like if we win no others. Uh, that's, uh, so yeah, that I think we're fine. Yeah. Uh, that puts us at five Maryland, six, uh, got to win two of Wisconsin, Michigan and Penn state. I think we can do it. And Minnesota. Okay. I think we can do it. We can do it. You can hear. I'm very confident we'll get seven. Eight is a stretch, but you know what? Hope springs eternal. And if anyone can do it, it might be these guys. Uh, uh, next Tucker up. also did say that uh, he, he, he thinks what he saw is largely correctable. So this we will be will a test. See. This will be a test, and it will be a good test, and one that I hope he passes next up is jay clean i believe a first time twitter questioner yeah i can't tell some people change their like Uh, yeah but i I think maybe first time but anyway jay if if it is great if not sorry glad you're Uh, back you should ask questions more regularly is that's on you that's on you yeah clean uh why is the why does the past defense look even worse they must have seen it in in practice with how good our wide receivers are why are they determined to keep playing soft zone? Jay. Okay. <sighs> we got several on this. I, I. Here's the thing that I, uh, I, I just. I need everyone to start this conversation with. Do you think that the staff, and by staff I mean Mel Tucker, defensive coordinator to national champions Mel Tucker, former defensive coordinator in the NFL Mel Tucker, like, played a lot of winning football, coached a lot of winning football Mel Tucker. Do you think he's happy? Do you think he thinks that this is the most successful defense that there is? And if your answer is no, then do you think in good conscience that he's like, you know what, Scotty? You do what you want to do, Scotty, and I trust you. That he's not involved in that conversation at all? Or do you think the more likely suggestion is 
that they're doing what they think is best to win games with the personnel that they currently have. Better way to say this, given the lack of talent and depth that we have at these positions. And, like, we're we're year three into a rebuild. I know the transfer portal, and particularly winning 11 games out of nowhere changed everyone's expectations, but you can't make depth happen overnight, even with the transfer portal. So I just, I don't know. All I know is that Amir Speed had his first target all season. First time someone threw in Amir Speed's direction was it was against Washington. And that's that's different than anything we saw last year. Chuck Brantley's been targeted more, but that's because Amir Speed's on the other side of the field. And Chuck Brantley's been fantastic. Like, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, uh, I don't think it looks worse. I think we look real hurt. Like back half of the season after the Michigan game last year, that hurt. Yeah. That said, Jay, I'll say this and plumb this little piece. You (laughs) shout out to Matt Sheehan, uh, who shouted out somebody else, but went through the, uh, the, the career bests of quarterbacks we played last year. And, uh, they were we were all first or second on their career bests for completions or yards or both. Uh, so there is something I just I'm not convinced that it's it, I, I'm not convinced that this isn't a reflection of personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no denying we got torched. Yep. So all right. Um, Next up, Jay Clean. Why did Mel turn us into an early 2010s? Big 12 team. All he had to do was keep the Antonio scheme. Oh, there it is. And incorporated non-make-me-want-to-end-myself offense. Instead, he incorporated a make-me-want-to-end-myself defense. All right, Jay. Love you. Thank you. Thank you for using the word scheme. We are really, we're pro-scheme on this podcast. Mostly because everyone uses it consistently and knows what it means. So, right. So when you say D'Antonio scheme, because it... I was ranting to Plum that I think uh, scheme is about as empty of as a word as you can use because I'm not sure what you mean. But I do think I know what you mean, Jay. Because what you mean, I suspect, is the change from a 4-3 to a 4-2-5 and a change from uh, largely uh, press quarters to cover three. Great question. Here's the thing, Jay. Um, The... Uh, 425 is run by a lot of teams. This isn't unique to the Big 12. Uh, Ohio State runs a 425. Um, half the NFL, I think, runs a 425. And the 425 is largely a reflection of the evolution of offenses in, in, in over time. That you that as offenses have spread out, that the need has been to have more people who can cover on the field. You look at the Washington game, the reason Darius Snow was so missed in that game is because Cal Halliday got exposed as someone who can't cover downfield. Darius Snow could have picked that assignment up. Um, the the four two five, you know, is not the problem here. If you're concerned about the lack of pressing at the line, I think we saw that early in the first game against Western, and then two really important players went down. 
and we backed away from it. And the reason is, is because if you're going to press, you need somebody behind. And I don't know that we trust the personnel behind right now. Yeah. And so like, you can say, and it's, this isn't you, Jay, but a lot of people are like, well, injuries happen. you got to be ready. We're in year three, and the first year, he had to sign a class that was D'Antonio's class. Like, it is not that easy to just flip a switch. If this had not been the transfer portal era, our expectations would have been so much lower. And, and I'm not saying you should lower your expectations, yeah, but I think right. you should understand process and time. And and to be fair, I mean, I and I I agree with Jones in large part. Seventy nine point six percent of your take. Make it sixty nine to make it fun. Oh, blush. I agree with it. But again, to your point, I mean, you just said it. If this weren't a transfer portal era, we should be well, well. It is a transfer portal era, and but hold gotta, on, no, 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 no. We hit the grand slam to win the world series of transfer portal. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. last year. So should we expect to be able to get no that kind of talent? <laughs> that's, a, no. that's, that's the point. I, but hold on. But the secondary remains a clusterfuck. And so there has to be some, attention paid but everything else i co-sign yeah and just for those who care the the folks who are out back for us angela gross xavier henderson d'antonio guys no there it is like you could say should have picked up a safety you you got to assume well you have to make the assumption then that there was a safety worth getting and that we could have gotten it's also not a supermarket like you can't just buy these guys off the shelf there are other schools who also want these players. And Angela Gross is a good player. Xavier Henderson, great player. Like, you know, Kendall Brooks, the D2 transfer, ends up being a pretty good player, but maybe not Xavier Henderson. Yeah. Cal Halliday, D'Antonio guy. Gary Snow, D'Antonio guy. Yep. 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 Uh, Gilly. Up next, Gilly has got to be a first time. Uh, what's more disappointing from last night's that is saturday's game the offensive line or the defensive back play why does it have to be an either or why do i have to choose i would i would say this is actually you can't you can't blame the scheme and blame the defensive backs for their play at the same time that's true that's so so the answer is the offensive line I was going to say probably if I had to choose, it's the offensive line, namely because their weak ass blocking got the pocket to clap so many fucking times that there was scant work that really we could even see Peyton Thorne do. That said, uh, also, we couldn't create a hole for anyone to run through. Um, and those things could have. That said, uh, Ben, don't break. <laughs> we broke. <sighs> so. Yeah. I'm going to start drinking anytime that comes up. Ooh, yay. That's a win. You know what? Here, here's what we're going to play. It, I don't know how many times the word scheme is mentioned in the rest of the <laughs> questions, but I'm going to drink every time scheme comes uh, up. I want Fuck, someone to call. I just saw three. Yeah, ambulance Shit. for alcohol poisoning about to happen on the pod. All mm. right. Next up, show me teams. Uh, another first-time questioner. I love this. I'm, yeah. Hey, uh, 
I don't know if any of you are previous listeners, new listeners, but we uh, certainly appreciate you listening and engaging. Uh, Show Me Teams, was this exactly what MSU needed to take them into league play? Good game for Thorne and humbling experience for the defense. Listen, I love the optimism of this question. I and I love a narrative. In fact, you know who love you know who else loves a narrative? Melvin Tucker the seventh. I don't think he does. Doesn't matter. He is a storyteller when it comes to winning football. And what I will say about this team, we have 50. 70, 60, 60, <laughs> not eight years of, help me with the math, 1957, 65 oh. years of history on our side. We were never going to win this game in 65. Washington. It wasn't going to happen. So you can't, it's 60, Mel Tucker's not even 65 years old. Mel Tucker wasn't alive. The last time we won a right. road game right. against the Pac-12. This isn't on us. It's our fault. And therefore, we have to be grateful for the lessons the universe has provided us. Peyton Thorne redeemed himself and how the defense will be donning sackcloth and self-flagellating for the rest okay. of the week. Right. Gnashing right. of teeth, reaping and rending of hair and garment. Good for them. And this, this will be exactly what we need to take down Wisconsin by, or I mean Minnesota, by 700 points on Saturday. All right, Plum, get ready to drink. I want to know if you all, or if you will, I I assume this is targeted you, apologize for attacking Thorn in your last episode, and can you please redirect all of that anger towards our defensive schemes? Let me just drink. Now we're scheming. Oh, there's multiple schemes. Let me just take a little... Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, D four Spartan. I think the problem is that there weren't multiple schemes. Correct. Uh, but but but, but, but it, the answer is no. The answer is no. We will not apologize. We also didn't attack. To be, we don't yeah, attack. We, we don't, don't attack. at Thorn Peyton Thorn. If he's a listener of this, first of all, I cannot wait to try your hamburger when I get to town mm. in a week. I'm so excited. Yes. Also, uh, you played a hell of a game. You played healthy. You played, like, and, and you played also, like shit the first two games. And you, you know like you shit. played like shit. You said you played like shit. No one thought you played well. Your dad didn't think you played well. <laughs> so I. But we know you can play well. And you did play well. And we saw you play well. And we're telling you you played well. And we need you to continue to play well because you have so, the capacity. I think I, I think I even joked that Xavier Henderson said that we'll go as far as our offensive line will take us, and I said no. Wow, it ends up being it's we'll go as far as Peyton Thorn. Thorn will, take, will us. take us because when he is rushing for more yards than his running backs, that oh that shows you the kind of man he is. So we love him for that. Next up, Eman Eman Center. Oh, welcome God. back. Welcome back. The MSU fan base absolutely showed out this weekend. The streets were overflowing with go green chance did msu take go green too literally by leaving their entire o-line and d-line back in east lansing so they could burn less fuel all right uh eman center love the the climate action pledge joke (laughs) here uh please you need to go leave five stars to uh that's too progressive of a joke we can't have that um but the uh the d-line i I think the D-line showed up just 
okay. They weren't great, but they were fine. I, I think Washington did plenty of things to try and take them out of the game. Um, and, and, and you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, but the O-line uh, was uh, a horse walking backwards would have been more effective. Than <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That is the stupidest thing I think anyone's... you can imagine. You can imagine a you horse walking imagine backwards, it. though, and you're like <laughs> ungainly. Uh, right, it's yeah. the least natural thing. Yes, that was, uh, that was uh, Next up from Eman Center, in regards to Thorn, what they were showing. Oh, this is interesting. What they were showing on TV, you could tell from the stands that his issues were ninety percent mental. Taking seven step dropbacks, feet aren't getting set, yelling at teammates on the sidelines be honest, I'm not sure how MSU Twitter is defending him so much to today. I think that's a bad take. I I mean, let's talk about his let's talk about his problems. Were some of them mental? No doubt. 90%. I think he yelled, I think he yelled at receivers a couple times early who ran bad routes it looked like. Well, there was a number of miscommunications and 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 listen, I'm willing to assign him some of the blame. Absolutely. If he's the leader of the team, he's calling the plays. Theoretically, he should be communicating to players. But at some point, I mean, one of the, I think it was in the first, their first three and out, I think it was Broussard just ran the wrong way. I don't, and I don't blame Thor. Yeah, you could see the entire line was was going the wrong way. So anyway, 90% is definitely the wrong number here if if anyone if, if you're going to take 90 percent and give it to anybody it might be the ineffectual and um made of balsam wood o-line which was breaking apart like a pinewood derby car. a small a, a twig in a in a hurricane i mean just very 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 breakable so i don't know i don't think that's the right um In fact, I believe his feet were getting set. He connected on some real humdingers. There were passes that truly kept us within only 11 points in a game that we probably could have lost by far more. He ran for yards to create opportunities for his team when he couldn't get guys open in the downfield. This despite the ineffectual blocking that the team had performed to date the entire game. So I don't know that this is the right take. And we've been quite clear that we're willing to come for Thorne. I'm just not sure that yeah. this is the game where he's going to get our ire. Uh, also, uh, E-Man Center, I'm checking here. I'm not sure. E-Man Center, um, this next question is for Kevin. Um, Kevin, how is, this, how is Seattle? Did you have fun? Any tours try and take a picture with you thinking you were the space needle? Hashtag tall guy problems. Um, uh, E-Man Center, Kevin apparently was more dynamic than we're comfortable admitting to be mistaken for a Space Needle. Most instances, he would be a Space Needle post-climate change, tipped over uh, on the ground. But he seemed to be fun and animated and smiling, and we're not clear. I, 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 I don't have the words. I mean, I... I love Kevin Greck. I want the best for Kevin Greck. I, He's a, we're all great friends. Like I like him individually. I, I respect his opinion generally. I've never seen him smile as much as he was with by strangers. himself with strangers in Seattle. I have to think that the reason he's not on the podcast 
when we're recording it right now is because he's made a difficult decision to abandon life as we know it and to probably become a homeless vagrant in Seattle. I think it has filled his soul with Unhoused. some PC, please. Thank you. Uh, I actually, I think if we're going to use the word vagrant, it might be for Kevin Greck. I think yeah, that's fair. That's fair, fair to the word vagrant. Um, anyway, so yeah, we miss him and, uh, we could, he only did seem to have fun. Uh, and he, he met folks out in the wild. It was, it was weird. Uh, the question and, is, did they recognize him? We, so this is the thing, like there, are, there, are, uh, we know how he met one person, but there's someone else he ran into that is a sort of was an early adopter and kind to the pod that we're like, how did you all meet? Did he see a Slenderman in the wild and say, oh, I know who that is? I hope like, he heard I, the voice. I have so I, many questions. I want it to be the voice. Yeah. I, I want to know if Kevin introduced himself, if other people introduced him as. Like, I, I just want to know. Um, but Eman Center, I think you maybe are a student. Uh, so if you can be in charge of the beer bong for the tailgate, that would be greatly appreciated. You probably don't know where Moral Hall is, uh, but the library, you know Eman Center, the library. You know where the parking garage is, next uh, to the Union. Next is it? How near Union. is it to the uh, the the Broad Museum? Uh, well, it's closer to the Union than the Broad Museum, but mm, not far. And, yeah. All right. Um, next up, uh, MSU one Gator. Almost every defensive player looked slow out there, like they got too much sleep. Okay. So a lot of the Twitterverse is angry for those who and, don't well, know. Well, the, the broadcast made jokes about this too, and I think it was dumb. Because they had nothing else to talk about. Because again, ESPN has lost all of its fucking dignity. God, that broadcast was not good. So and if let's we had talk been about winning, the- it wouldn't have been good. Yeah, let's talk about the performance science here. Because the, the criticism that you would make of, of MSU is that they didn't leave until Friday. Right. Later Friday, in fact. Fine. Um, so they spent a night, and and you can tell quite clearly that the thinking was from the sports science folks, if we leave late, we'll just be on yeah. Our Eastern time. time. Yeah. It'll just be a night game. Yeah. Like, perfect. Yeah. And I don't know what they would have gotten out of more time in Washington. Like, th- that. this is truly the, like, for anyone who's traveled, I, I'm baffled by this thinking as if there was some advantage to letting jet lag ca- kick in for an extra day. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, it, I, I know, MSU one Gator, I know this isn't you. Right. The defense did look slow out there, and I know you're making a joke. I, I want to be clear, I'm up on the joke, but this was a critique I heard on the broadcast, and I, I thought it was uh, dumb. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea being that uh, they kicked off at four or thirty, their time. If you so it would get, have been seven thirty here. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you kick off at four thirty their time, you need to be at the stadium by what noon? Sure, eleven thirty noon probably twelve yep. thirty. I mean, I'm guessing four hours of warm up is about alarming, but a you plenty, don't, a plenty, right? So as long as you're in bed at the hotel by even. 11 o'clock because remember if you leave here late you get three hours you're going west that that time you 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 pick all that time right back up so you leave here at 10 o'clock at night you're actually getting in there at like nine o'clock at night 
you go to the hotel, you just sleep for your eight hours. I don't see how sleep comes into it. What I'm, my point is you black out the room. I don't see how sleep comes into it. You have more than enough time to wake up at 9 a.m. Seattle time. And you get the point. Yeah. Mike uh, Jones. Mike Jones. The real which, Mike Which, by the Jones. way, did he reach out to you, by the way? Personally? Yeah. Well, no, I'm offended. No, no he didn't. Oh, well, he's going he's gonna to connect with you to connect with me. Wow. Connect with me, so, Mike Jones. You to to me resupply any, me. Any old time. You will uh, which, connect. Which, by the way, I, no, I need to no, you, you're Mike Jones, you're going to connect with Mike Jones directly. He's, get, he's traveling. No! Burns! All right. Yeah. First up from Mike Jones. Quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, end quote, attributed to Scotty Hazelton. <laughs> that is the best question we've ever gotten. Anthony well, Keep reading. The scheme isn't oh, working. Drink. There it is. Drink. There it is. Mm. The scheme isn't working. The amount of guys running wide open is infuriating. This team is headed for a bottom 30 pass D again and fast. How long can Mel wait to make changes? All right, Mike. <laughs> Here's the thing. Again, this, this notion that Mel Tucker isn't actively involved in the decision-making surrounding the defense is bonkers to me. We're truly... I, I get the notion and the idea that you want to pillory Scotty, Scotty Hazleton, but, like... All you're doing is choosing to prop up Mel Tucker as this ideologue that you you think is is amazing and worthy of worship, yeah. and and let's not forget who's coaching the cornerbacks. Oops. It's Mel Tucker. Oops. So I I I truly do not think a man who seems so attuned to the details that he is just handed the keys entirely over to Scotty that sure the, the play calling in the middle of the game. Absolutely. It's clear that Mel Tucker's not going to like run into the headset of another coach. Yeah. But, and, and I think that's the right decision by the by. Yeah. But th this isn't that it, it, like when we're talking about press, not press four, two, five, four, three, five or four, three, four, like that they're in alignment on this. So uh, we need to disabuse ourselves that Ooh. if you're complaining about Scotty Hazleton and the scheme, whatever the fuck that means, well, you're you're also complaining about Mel Tucker. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I also think they're not above reproach, and I'm happy to direct no. some ire at Mel Tucker and Scotty Hazleton. And, I, and I'm not suggesting you're not. Oh yeah, no, I, I just, uh, my beef is with this idea that it's Scotty Hazleton and he's the one who's got to go. Correct. Because, uh, and in fact, in, in when it comes to this side of the ball, yeah. if Mel this Tucker was Jay Johnson, right. I'm willing to entertain that conversation. Yes. But on this side of the ball, it is Mel Tucker and Mel Tucker alone that you should be angry at, not Scotty Hazleton. Well, I mean, I'm not alone, but I, uh, to your point... At the the very stops least, him. Well, that's fine, but I'm just saying, more practically, to your question, Mike Jones, firing Scotty Hazelton, firing Jay Johnson, which I also co-assign on, right now is not smart. Well, maybe Jay Johnson, because I think that, again, a, a horse walking backward could coach the offensive line better than Jay Johnson. No, no, coach Kapilovic is who, who's actually an, a position coach who's paid more than a million dollars. Well, If you want to be mad at a position coach... Well, anyway, my point remains... Firing any of them right now is not going to change a lot for us. Okay. 
Should Scotty Hazelton go into the future with this program? Absolutely not. Should he be fired at the end of the season and tar well, and feather? To be sure. But yeah, why let's see what happens. I will wait until then. And I'll also say it now. My point is doing it now isn't going to help. It's not going to help anything. We've had enough turnover. We've had enough loss because of injury. We've had enough of unexpected issues here and there. And we've got our board of trustees fucking around on the internet and everything else. There's there's enough chaos in the universe that, that adding with the departure of any of our defensive or offensive coordinators, loathsome as they may be, isn't, isn't constructive. Yeah, this isn't Scotty Hazleton playing the prevent defense way too early and letting teams get back into it. Like, that's that's not... This isn't, I, I just, this, we're talking philosophies at this point in time. All right. And, nope. Sorry. Right. I'm, I'm heated about it. We're I, talking philosophies. I understand. And that's on, that's Mel. All right. Well, um, I'm with you and we're both, we're both going to love Mel. All right. This one is a statement that I think with this podcast will heartily co-sign. He says, I harped on Thorne the last two weeks. He missed some throws, some poor decisions. He made a couple of mistakes last night, but his effort and heart was off the charts. It was gutsy. Peyton Thorne yep. and Keon tried to will this team to a win. If there's a positive from this game, it's those two. Yeah, I don't think we give enough love to Keon, but I remember uh, late in the game, maybe it was the final play that like ended our offensive drive that that Keon didn't come down with the catch. And he was afterwards immediately threw his helmet on the ground yeah. and went to the sideline and was apoplectic, like yeah. unconsolable yep. and... I mean, yep. I, I don't like him feeling that way, but I love uh-huh. that competitor's spirit. That's right. That that he he felt yep. the weight of the moment on himself. Yep. And even though it frankly was not on him, right. but that he was angry that he didn't deliver. Yep. I mean, that's the guy who went one on five against Michigan in hoops. Yep. Right. Like that is you want that guy with you all the time. And and again, there like take that moment with you. Take that moment with you as you think about this team and what you got in that guy. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, all right. I can't remember a first quarter like that. Two hundred to eleven yards. We ran six plays. Jay Johnson needs some blame for this too. Took him two and a half quarters to realize the run wasn't going to work. O line was just getting hauled. Quit calling slow developing cutback run plays. JJ has to adjust quicker. Hundred percent. And I think, again, maybe Hazleton takes some blame. I mean, I mean, Kapilovic? Fine. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm just making the, the back pass oh. back to Hazleton. But I'm just saying, so much of this is personnel. So much of this is personnel and depth. It's, it's, it is talent and depth. Okay? So just button that up. The O-line, with the injuries that we've been through, has neither the talent nor has it the depth. And so trying to get Jalen Berger to run the ball up the middle, well, let's just say it's an offensive scheme <laughs> that wasn't working. So I, uh, this, we, well, I, co-sign heartily. In fact, I believe I tweeted out in all caps, fire Jay Johnson immediately, and I have not deleted it. So that tells you anything. I uh, I do think next year is our show me year. I I I may be willing to go one more year, yeah. but I think next year is our 
like last year it was charmed right mm. charmed season and with a guy that I, I think we all agree is the best player we've ever seen play at michigan state he showed us his and but next year's like earning it in earnest sure um and so yeah. I, I, in some ways, I don't really care about this season. Wow! Like, I mean, I, I want good things, but I, I and I want we also, the re- yeah, and I, I want I, the recruiting train to stay on the tracks. That's what I want yes, this season. That's right. And you know, so let's let let's. I, this isn't the question, but I'm and maybe we'll get the question if we get the question. Maybe you already know if we're going to get the question. But I'm going to just say it right now. When we talked about last night, but during the game, after the game, we talked for, after the game for a little bit. Yeah, and we talked about how are we going to frame recording the podcast this week. And one oh, of yeah. the things we said was we got to find some fun in this yeah. because it, this game evidenced for us that this is not an 11 win game. This is not a, a promising, attractive bowl game season. There's not really any big hardware that's going to come out of this game or out of the season. So where do we find the fun? I think you just said it for me. We're keeping the recruiting on the tracks and, and if anything, helping expose the position groups, where we could use some support, yep. where we're going to be able to identify early talent and say, look right here. <laughs> you've, got an, you've got an immediate opportunity to be an impact player. That means we're missing on the position group that we need the most. Uh, uh, Bye, Harlan. It was, it was nice. Miss we you. Were, miss you. You're All a great right. Spartan. All right. later. Next up, the Keith Ski. I think the Keith Ski might have my favorite. Twitter question or handle? Just going to put that out Yes, there. I, yes. And I miss his what are you drinking questions. I know. Anyway. It's, uh, it's Fireball. You know what, he, did, he got burned. He didn't get enough love in, in Twitter question power rankings. That's what it was. Speaking uh, of, you know who we don't hear from anymore is the Sharpbird. He's just like, stop He's He's down there. Questions. He's oh, down he's there. there. Okay, never mind. Never mind, Anthony. Never mind. I didn't say that. Take it back. Redacted. All right. The Keatsky. First up, why do podcasters, <laughs> Jesus, why do podcasters reference players in such a weird way? Example. MSU has players like A, Keon Coleman, or A, Trey Mosley. Why add the A? It's stupid and annoying. Uh, I hope we didn't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's entirely possible (laughs) that I did that in particular. But this is a really good question, and I think it has to do with the whiteness of uh, of podcasters. Uh, That's probably what it is. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, we would someone who is great. Like, kind of. Well, it's it's because you're using them as a prototype, right? That uh, a, a rubric for right, particularly when you're when you're talking about past players, present players. It's a little bit different. Different, yeah. Uh, but I will say this podcast was out in front of why do we use livestock terms to refer to running backs so frequently? A a workhorse, a bell cow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable with it. With these, uh, a and, horse walking backward, to be fair. Well, yeah. that's that's just Go a on. visual of a horse's ass. And, uh, <laughs> and that is what the offensive line was. Uh, but Kiski, this is a great question. I don't have a good answer. Anyway, great just question. give us a timestamp. And, you know, anyway, we co-sign on being stupid and annoying. So that's not going to hurt our feelings. But someone like a uh, Kendall Brooks, uh, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, all right, next up. Broussard should be the number three back after that game. Safety, drop conversion pass. Woof, prove me wrong. I'll prove you right. I'll prove you right. You'll just read the stat line back to him. Prove you right. Uh, Keatsky, the one thing I'll say in Broussard's defense, I, I don't know that I disagree, 
Um, cause that game was, was bad, real bad. And you have options on like, say when we said Peyton Thorne had a bad game, uh, two bad games, you, you have other options, but Broussard was PAC 12 player of the year a couple years ago uh, on offense. Uh, he also finished his degree at Colorado before coming here. So he didn't get in until fall camp. Yeah. And he, it was noted he was pressing in fall camp, trying to get up, uh, it, Likely being back in the Pac-12 country, he might have pressed a bit again. And and I'm willing to tolerate the idea that he just had a really bad game. And that's okay. Well, to your point around livestock, they got to stop putting blinders on the players. You, know, you oh really have to All be right. able to see, you know, the periphery. So that's that's on the coaching. That's on the coaching. Last up from the Keatsky, Scotty is too cool of a name for Hazleton. From here on out, he is just... Scott. Scott, pass defense is optional. Hazelton. All right. Fine. Look, I, I just, I'm very curious. Anyone who's calling for Scotty's head, head, what do you think changes? Right. I don't think he's, I don't think he didn't suggest this. He's just saying we shouldn't give him his. No, no, no. I, I know, but the digs are. Pass defense is optional, but who's coaching the cornerbacks? It's Mel Tucker. Like, I, I, I just, who, what do you think Mel Tucker's going to hire here? Yeah. Now, now, if you want to say Scotty was uh, a last minute hire because no one would take the job. Fine. Say that. Oh, but I tend to think that this is a personnel problem. I, I Yeah, it is. Not a problem. A personal opportunity. Wow. No, it's a problem, but it, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. All right. Next up, Spartan 1870. 18770. Uh, while most of the criticism is going towards Hazleton, and rightfully <laughs> so, no. Why isn't Harlan Barnett facing an equal amount for the poor DB play? It's because he's not coaching the cornerbacks. First of all, Harlan Barnett's coaching the safeties. There's like three safeties on the team. The other and ones are all injured, and they're all, all of them are injured. So, all right, Harlan Burnett. The, you want to get on Harlan Burnett? It's because he's a shitty recruiter, and he's known at best for recruiting some two stars who ended up being Pro Bowl uh, guys. But like, fine. Do that, Harlan smart. Burnett. Pass. Next, you got to come for either Mel Tucker or Ross Ells. This podcast is on record coaching, uh, saying that Ross Ells should be ditched. Ross Ells is currently coaching one player on the team, and it's Chester Kimbrough. Yeah, it, like, his cool. positional responsibility is special teams coordination. Coordination. He's not a special teams coach, just a coordinator. Coordinator. And then... The nickel. And then nickelbacks. Yes. Which, <sighs> as best as I can tell, we have one, and it's Chester Kimbrough. And he's so, not good. I, if you want to come for somebody, come for Rossells. But, like, let's... Mel Tucker is responsible here too. Yeah. All right. We would say the same thing about Mark D'Antonio, by the way. Also, the a DB, you know, by trade uh, coach. Yes, that's right. Uh, The next two questions, (laughs) variations on a theme. Uh, Why did the linebackers look lost last night? Time and time again, the middle was wide open for Washington's receivers. Yeah, so I think we got into this a little bit, but yeah. Ben Van Sumeren, who had great sideline-to-sideline side and is a much-improved player from last year, is still not really a coverage guy. Yeah. 
And Cal Halliday is certainly not a coverage guy. Yeah. And I mean, both good linebackers and, and have a role on this team, but that's, that's the point. Like we talked about the linebacker core being too deep in some ways. And it's because they all had a role. Aaron Brule, I actually thought played a, uh, a, a pretty great game last night. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not, is it Brule that I'm thinking of? Or am I thinking of somebody else? What, who's the, this is going to bother me. Mm. Uh, no, sorry. Bogle. Ah, uh, and Bogle, by the way, responsible for that goal line stand for the tackle on that fourth down, that first one. That was all. Do I mean Brule or do I mean Bogle? Well, either way, both of them played great games. Uh, and, uh, the, no, I meant, I meant Brule. Uh, I got I got my own head. Brule. Anyway, I, I think it's just a person. It, it, Cal Halliday, they knew they had a mismatch, and they exploited it every chance they got. That's that's what it was. Yep. And that's not on Cal. It, it, it's not. They took advantage of subbing patterns. Like, it, it just was a good game plan. Like, yep. tip your cap. Yep. Uh, next, uh, Plum, will the coaching staff be able to turn this around and get them ready for Minnesota? This is a gut check. Do you believe in the coaching staff? I... Believe in Mel Tucker. I believe that he is going to hold his guys to a high standard. Uh, and that means holding his coaching staff to what should be a reasonable expectation of improvement over last week. There is, let's be explicit. Minnesota is not Washington. So yeah, at the very least, the first half of the Minnesota game had goddamn better be competitive. Cause I don't think anyone would look at this game that we just watched and say that the yeah. first half was competitive. Yeah. Even, even Kendall Brooks, the safety who's filling in for Xavier Henderson. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him lay some monster hits oh, and yeah. run support. Yep. He's great. Like yep. this is a, this is a game yep. that is Best we can we can predict is is probably going to the the one the one thing I'll say as a just I'm gonna just put a little flag on everyone's radar for doom and gloom here. <sighs> um, you remember uh, during the COVID year, Iowa cooked us at home. Well, no, maybe it was at Iowa. I don't know. I can't remember if the sick kids were there, but the they kept running outside zone, which means that the the offensive, uh, offensive line essentially would shift over. And the way you combat that is the defensive end needs to, what's called set the edge, essentially say offensive line, you cannot shift to whatever direction you're trying to go. And so the one thing I've noticed about this team and the way they line up is that they have defensive ends like Jacoby Windman yeah. lining up in what's called a two point stance, which is to say that they don't have a hand in the dirt, right? Like they're on, on their two legs yep. and that's it. Uh, I don't know how much that is going to set us up for success on edge setting. And so if Minnesota, and I don't know, runs a lot of outside zone, that could be a problem. Okay. TBD. Got so, it. Got it. Um, you heard it here first. Next right. up is John Ebenezer. Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Okay, John Ebenezer. Uh, FMK, loathing Notre Dame, loathing Michigan, 
annual West Coast out of conference games. This is a really, really good. And John, I know that you're of a vintage that is at least, um, yeah, has some similarity that you know the hate of Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say that I think the hatred of Notre Dame is in some ways purer than the hatred of Michigan, which is probably why I'll marry it. Um, You're going to marry the Notre Dame. I think I'm going to marry the Notre Dame, and I'm going to tell you why. Because there's something there's something on the level of a like, – I can respect a Notre Dame fan. They see the world in – in whitest of glasses. Sure, but, but in a similar – there's a self-respect that happens, I think, when you're a Notre Dame and a Michigan State fan in a way that doesn't happen as a Michigan fan. There's a sort of unearned uppityness that comes with being – uh, a Wolverine fan, I think, in the in the way that there are so many uh, Wolverine fans who who were not uh, alumni of the school, so I think that's why I'm going to marry Notre Dame and fuck Michigan and kill annual West Coast out of conference games. Never again, never again. Why set mm-hmm. yourself up for the failure? No. Interesting. Uh, I can't answer this question because the expletives would make my mother angry. So. Oh, Lynn Diane. Oh, Lynn uh, Diane. Next up from John Elderberry. Uh, fire <laughs> Hazleton and give Barnett a 9 to 10 game. No, John, this is your worst take. Give Barnett a 9 to 10 game audition and reassess in the offseason. John, I love you. I could kiss you on the cheek. Maybe the mouth if I had enough drinks. But... This ain't it. Barnett couldn't hack it at Florida State. Ooh. Barnett uh, coaching the DBs that everyone's so complaining about. Uh, in fact, has been demoted to just safeties um, and can't land a recruit to save his life. Yeah, it's definitely not Barnett. I mean, if you had someone else that was potentially, but you know. I'd give it to Ross Ells before I'd give it to Barnett. Oh, that is upsetting. That's deeply, deeply upsetting, and I'm concerned about you. I'd give it to Brandon Jordan, who uh, has not even flirted with that level of coaching. I'd give it to Xavier Henderson before I'd give it to Barnett, but that's that's where I am. Next up, mm. Eric. I know it's Ozanic. Ozanic. No, I don't care. It's Ozanich tonight. Mm. Eric, I was about to ask if we could ever, if we could never head to the West Coast for a game again. Mm-hmm. then realized we'll most likely have at least one game in California every other year when USC and Cal join. So how does MSU solve its abysmal left coast blues? Could they fly out Monday? It's not the flight time. <laughs> yeah. If, if Also, if, I think it's the, it's, it's, go on. It's the, if it's in conference, I think the, the streak doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't matter anymore. No, that, that's that's the point. If you're pointing to time zones and jet lag, this 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 no. No, 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 no. Just just no. Just no. If that's where you're pointing, you are that that see, for me, time zones and, and airplane blame, that's that's Michigan bullshit. That's yes. the, it was out of our hands. Well, we didn't know the time zone. It's not fair. No, 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 no. It, we, we had that conversation we were playing with in Arizona at like 3 a.m. Okay. We're not talking about them running off the runway, though. Well, that's neither here nor there. Icy days, icy days. What we're talking about is particularly the question. This is an evening game for us. The time zone and jet lag had nothing to do with this. 
And I will fight to the death anyone that seriously suggests that it did. That's Yeah, I think noon games are the good. only time that you can say, eh. it's no, just, not even. No, I'm just, there even. was there was the time when it was effectively like 3 a.m. our time. Yes, a, a, a true night, night game, game, a true night game. That's yes. right. Yes, that's the Arizona game, okay. or that's, ASU, sorry. And and that shouldn't be allowed. But that's on Hollis. That was on our side for agreeing to schedule the game. And when the network said this is the time, they should have said that well, we're not flying to the game. We won't do it. And, we just, and, you won't well, have a game. It, it, you know, September in Arizona, like, by the by, I, I don't know when you're supposed to schedule the game. It has to be at night. It's too, and, too effing hot. And that's why you don't schedule September games in Arizona. But that's yeah. the point. And so that's right. on Hollis and that's on the team. But this isn't that. This isn't that. Anyway. All right. Next we... up, Joe Ashworth. Joe Ashworth. I'll start with things that aren't that bad take. Uh, we played a stinker on the West Coast, which is historically horrible for e- Eastern Standard Time. It's not teams. Get, right. Yep. This yep. is a about. Eastern Time teams. Uh, without our best safety, D tackle, linebacker, and receiver. Thank you, Joe. This is a game you can lose and still win the Big Ten or make a 12-team playoff. This is a great point. We've not talked enough about that, but we won't talk about it here. Um, but yeah, you can rebound from this game. I don't know that we have those expectations for this team. Do not. And 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 I'm okay with that. I didn't have them coming into the season either. Correct. I so, did. I did, but I was thoroughly disabused to the I, point. I, I think my know. concern is more that I hope to be more competitive with Ohio State, and I mentioned that there are a couple teams in the Big Ten that can do what Washington did, and they're one of those teams. And so now I have concerns that we are not going to be competitive with Ohio State. I didn't say we'd win, by the way, Alex, for that face. Well, I just said more competitive. Hey, if um, we only lose by 11 to Ohio State, I'll be very happy. Yeah, yeah, W. W on W on W on yeah. W. Uh, so, so George W. Mission accomplished Bush. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, now, next up, five stars. Five stars. Five star. <laughs> Good job. If you remember the banner, leave a five star. All right. Next up, Joe Ashworth. Now the things aren't okay. Take the weaknesses weren't a surprise. Time of possession, the secondary, the O line. The team looked unprepared, and those white jerseys weren't dirty at all by the end of the Ooh. game. How is this not a cultural setback by both players and staff? Uh, what, I'm, I'm just confused by the weren't a surprise saying unprepared and jerseys weren't dirty. Those are surprise takes to me. Yeah, I wouldn't wow. say that that has been an indicator of Mel Tucker's culture. Unprepared and not dirty. Those That's where I disagree. I would say prepared and effort are hallmarks. And frankly, they pay, play till the end of the... They never stopped playing. Yeah. I, I would just disagree with you a little bit there, but the time possession, the secondary, the O line, those are all fair critiques. I just, the goal I would stands. really cir- yeah. I'd circle back to the difference between our talent gap between Washington and us. Yeah, the, like, that depth matters. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm not sure it's a cultural setback. I'm not. I'm not at cultural setback yet. If we lose, this was minutes, a culture culture plus for a loss. In some ways, you kept chopping, cut, kept chopping. Well, the goal line stands did not hurt. What I will say is, in the event that we lose to Minnesota, the way we lost to Washington, yeah, yeah. What and now, I, will, I will be on here in a very different mood now. I, we're, but I'm not ready to. But I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there right now. I think this this 
for the reasons that we have amply stated to this point, I think this was a different kind of loss. So yeah, things that. were not as good as they seemed after the first two games. Yeah. They are not as bad as they seem right now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Last up from Joe Ashworth, who we also like a lot. Finally, the quote, thank God for these dudes, end quote, take Coleman, Brooks, Barker, Thorne, and the man himself, Bryce Rexpex Berenger. Get a pass in my mind. Without those guys in that order, the game stays a blowout. Who do you think is playing slash coaching for their job against Minnesota next weekend? All right. Playing playing is is I assume Chester Kimbrough. Yeah, that's but fair. The, but the problem is, is the guy that they probably would put in behind him as a freshman, and I think he's also hurt. So, like, I, I think he's also like that's the thing about so when I say equally that no, skilled, equally paired is what you're saying. There, then. That if there was someone who's pushing him for playing time, he's been hurt. Yeah. So, like, I, that's where I'm. But coaching for their job, I Mel Tucker's not firing a single one of his coaches midseason. So, that's it. Yeah, yes. right. Yes, that's that's right. No one's getting so fired. No mid-season. one's getting fired midseason. Let's just put it away. It's not the kind it, of guy he is. It doesn't serve the team. You talk about culture. It doesn't serve the team. So just put it away. Now, at the end of the season, at the end of the season, is Scotty Hazelton right now on ice? Absolutely, he is. For good or for bad. Jones, you've made a great point that everyone might want to be directing their ire at Tucker for the D backs and for L's for just being a piece of shit generally. But it doesn't matter because. Heads are going to roll at the end of the season if if things remain the way they are. And is Hazelton going to be there? There's no doubt. But it's not you happening know, now. You know, sometimes coaches fire a uh, a coordinator to buy themselves more time. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, but here's the thing. I don't think Mel Tucker's on the I need to buy myself more time plane yet. No, he's on the, and, he's on the buy myself. Uh, I'll just use this Brinks yeah, my, truck My money's fucking guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, I'll yourself. be fine. Like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Uh, the, I... If he doesn't believe in Hazleton, that's one thing. But I, I will say, it's not like... If, if anyone was pointing out ill-timed blitzes... Like, it, where it was... If, if you told me Mel Tucker took over play calling... Yeah. But that's the thing. No one's complaining about the play calling. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, we gotta move on. Yeah. Uh, next up, Mama Belief. Uh Does this... It, does it really come just down to Howard picking MSU? This is a great question. Uh... <laughs> Desmond, go fuck yourself. You're you're a trash. Uh, you're just trash. No one likes you. Your mother doesn't like you. And no, no, no one on set likes you. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't All like right. you. When you look in the mirror, that smile, you're like, this is hiding the tears. Yeah. Um. Next up, the Gophers will most likely be missing their top receiver, Bell. Oh, didn't. All right. And this Wait, is where high, Susan, hold, on, hold on, Susan. This is Susan. wrong because Bell should have been hyphenated, and since it yeah, wasn't, you Altman know, Bell. Susan. Susan. I love when Susan does our game previews better than we do. So yeah. if only if only she numbered the question. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but so, uh, so when do I know I in teams put stop? Put, mm. Yeah, well, they're not putting their eggs in any one basket. Maybe it's Ibrahim Moise. Yeah, it's it's Mohammed Ibrahim. Ibrahim, he's great. Uh, what's on the menu for the tailgate and will I like it? I don't know and I don't care. Ooh, it'll be bratwurst. Spicy. Spicy. Very, very uh, spicy. There will no, not be uh, poutine, that's for sure. Aww. You Canadian. 
Next up, uh, Mr. Neurotic yeah. Pants. Early questions. One, can you, junior detective, solve the case of the regressing quarterbacks? Go uh, to Solved it, itself. Yes. Solved itself. Yes. Uh, next up, Tuck's wife was displeased with his work. So is it fair to ask, is Tuck Cummings? Cometh. Cometh. And, I hate this. And how? I did. And last Next up. up all right, Plum, this is for you. Plum, okay, this is for okay, you. Okay. Uh, is directed to Grooch, but Grooch is uh, the worst. Uh, so, um, Plum, uh, as the best sports analysis <laughs> on the pod, what would be your determining factor in deciding that Tuck sold Spartan Nation snake oil? Uh, uh, probably if Bryce Berenger kicks it out of bounds even once in the Minnesota Twice. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, on a on a on a safety free on kick a, on a because it doesn't matter kick. on a punt. Never never matters on a punt. It's got to be a safety. Indeed, you want it on a punt. On a safety free kick. Next up, John Hubbard. Now that the game is over and Grek can do- drop the pretense, how did property hunting go for his bunker in the American Redoubt? Wow. Uh, did he find a nice community of Q preppers to live with during the Great Reset? The American Redoubt. That is absolutely. The best worst He's question not here. I've ever heard. He's not here. We have to assume that it went well. We have to assume he met Q. that he met Q and Q's uh, ethereal slime burgers that they could eat together without flavor for the rest of time memorial. Next up from John Hubbard, where were the kickers yesterday? I could care less about optics. Points are points, irregardlessly. Oh, Jesus. Expertly phrased. I know special teams is plums thing. What needs to change so the kicking game can play good well i'm gonna answer my own question all right they need to be kicked they need to be kicked steven rusnak and jack stone i think that's his name i don't care really i don't care if that's not his name i don't care and the kick to the stones they're gonna each kick each other in the head as hard as they can and the first one to lose consciousness is shot on sight the second one he gets to be the backup and bryce Berenger, by the way takes over all kicking duties doesn't matter what field goal <laughs> Point after try, kickoff, punt, even uh, uh, fake fake kicks. So that's 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 the answer. That's always the answer. All right. Last up from John Hubbard. Week one of fantasy football is in the books. How are the hosts' teams doing? Did Jones manage to take his team off auto draft this time? Uh, John, great question. I decided I did not have enough time to commit to fantasy football this year. I hope to rejoin in the future, but, uh, just not doing it this year. Grek, however, is, um, maybe that's what he's doing right now is fiddling with his lineup instead of podcasting. Um, next up is Jerber asks, how concerning is the Aikens injury? Did you know what? This is, this is, this is peak Michigan state. We've pivoted to basketball. One loss. We're out. Wow. Let's go. Wow, Jer. Real faithless. Real <laughs> faithless kind of guy, aren't you? Unbelievable. Uh, I'm, I have no reason to be worried until I have a reason to be worried. Okay. Like, I mean, I just, I can't lose sleep over it. What I will say is, if I'm upset about anything, it's the words stress reaction. Not medical science. This is quackery 101. Stop. The chiropractor just, invented yeah, Just this. stop with the bullshit words. Just make your yes a yes. And you're no a no. Tell us what the fuck is going on. Frankly, we don't care. We just want to know. And things like you were saying before we recorded, men are men and women are women. And like, you know. Well, I didn't not 
say that. So, yikes. <laughs> Next up from Jerbear, the heater is a... You told me before we recorded are coming out a lot right now. A lot, a real lot. Yeah, I only said that so we could get some more five stars. Uh, reviews. <laughs> the heater is number two from Jerbear. The heater Izzo was on took focus off this team and the big concerns. Where do you guys sit in terms of expectation about a month out? I mean, I, I am going to be quietly optimistic about this team. There's, there's good guard play to be had. And yeah, there's a lot of worries at the five, but I'm going to sit quietly optimistic on this. And Joey Hauser is going to grow a foot taller. I've been reading a lot about uh, short Kings getting uh, surgery to add a few inches to their, to their height. I've, I've seriously considered until I said, no, that's dumb. And I'm fine with who I am. Well, we've never liked your own self-acceptance. Not <laughs> one of us. Last up from Jer Bear, football-wise, do you trust Jay Johnson to adjust to more pass after the success last night? I, I, so this was one of the other takes that just, had me sort of bleeding from the eyes. Not Jujer <laughs> here, but this is a, a, a twist on the idea that we should stop running the ball. And I I don't think we're going to be good, but you can't, you just, we don't have a Western Kentucky offense where we can throw yeah. 80 times in a game and be effective. We need to run the ball. And, and frankly, if you want to recruit to the positions we need, you need to run the ball to say, hey, we need you here. Help, help, help. So, uh, <clears throat> balance is always going to be king, and and I don't expect that to change. But I do expect Jay to change that it is a pass to open the run versus the run to open the pass. And that's the point. Um, I think a little pass heavy earlier into the first first quarter. No one's going to sneeze at that. Okay, Jay, no. you fuck get, ass. Get 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 Peyton into a rhythm. Like, how is this hard? Like the most important player on your team is no longer a running back. It's your quarterback. Get him into a rhythm, Jay. Like I, I'm a dumb, dumb, but I can say that with confidence. Very All right. Next up, Chartvert, uh, which, which appliance appliance or appliances should we throw at the team slash coaches today? And how many, uh, he also suggests a, not a sponsor segment from either Hamilton beach or KitchenAid for their toaster product both to signify what happened to our secondary and to point to a possible answer to my first question. So sure, yeah. it's not fun. If you answer your own question, I just want to say uh, that. It kind of is. And I love the question. I love the spirit behind the question. We've missed you. It's been at least a week, maybe two since we've heard from you. And so this fills my heart with all kinds of toasted breaded goodness. Avid listeners to this podcast will know that I in copying a skit done by Melissa McCarthy on SNL uh, many moons ago uh, have advocated for, particularly in basketball, for Tom Izzo to get out and throw a toaster at any player who misses a free throw. Uh, because that's what her character did in that ESPN skit. I encourage you to go into YouTube and see SNL. Those, SNL, sorry. In the, the, uh, go into YouTube and look it up. It's one the of those YouTube. 30 for 30s. And it's hysterical. And because of this now, uh, correctly, the only reaction from anyone to any poor play has to be getting chucked in the back with a toaster. Unless 
said toaster it, has knives coming out of it. Extension cord? And the it cuts your back because we don't really want to take deep lacerations to the back any longer. They are crippling. No bueno. Next up, Nate C. Who's worse, MSU football or Husker? Wow. Nate. Uh, did you see they fired their defensive coordinator now, too? How? Who? Did the players take a vote? Did, did, <laughs> did Scott Frost just come back and say, and by the way, I'm firing him before you go? I Their interim coach did it, which is... Yeah, right? That The fate... Listening to that scene, the aghast face, but the idea that the interim coach is like has the authority. I mean, you got to go. You got to go. After last year, frankly, Nebraska's defense was good. Like their team was bad, but their defense was was good good. last year. I mean, this implies there is such a cultural fuckery happening at that. Oh yeah, that place. That dude is coaching for the the job. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fire folks. I'm why just not? Start firing and folks. why not? I will say, I will say, they're making, that or they're they, they're firing for Urban Meyer money. Well, That's what they're doing. That could also be true, but they're definitely making our board of trustees look real good, and that's really uh, saying something. Until they hire Urban Meyer, in which case they just outdid themselves. Next uh, up from Nate C. How many national championships would we have in basketball and hockey if we abandoned Pass. Yeah, I don't think, I think it's a zero-sum question. I disagree. Yep. Sorry, Nate. Uh, We love your negativity here, but no. Next up, how will you spend your December while everyone else you know watches a bowl game? Pass. (laughs) That's not fair, Nate. We're definitely going to be in the Jim Simpson yeah, we're going to Kate a bowl, man. Guys Bowl, which is played at Chessening High School in mid-Michigan, but it's a bowl. Uh, bonus, why do we keep trying to be a football school when we already have basketball and could have hockey as a side hustle? Okay, I'm this beginning is, to think that this is... This is actually his better question. Of the, <laughs> the, this is his best question. Okay. You could be, you could be a Kentucky. Unhinged. You could be a Kentucky. Be a, yeah. I'm not convinced that this isn't Jer Bear uh, somehow yeah. infiltrated Nate's uh, timeline. Yeah, they've been DMing, and he's like, ask these questions for me. They won't take it seriously if I ask. <laughs> That's so true. Little did you know, we didn't take Nate C seriously either, Jer. Uh, All right, last up, Overdeck Jerk Guy. How many games into the basketball season will fans proclaim the season is over? I think this is one, is the answer. Could be one. The off-season, or I'm sorry, the non-con is brutal. Yeah. Next up, from the Upper Deck Jerk guy, will we pass more going forward? The answer to that is yes. Very, very yes. Uh, Last, from the Upper Deck Jerk guy, is the tailgate canceled due to lack of interest? Uh, For you, buddy, yes. Yes. It is is canceled uh, for you. Because um, we know you're not going to come. And frankly, yeah. we don't care. We've you, never You cared. pretended you were going to come last year, and then you were a giant uh, a-hole and didn't show up. Yeah. yeah, jerk guy. Thank you. Thank you. That was better. Um, but it is at Old Moral Hall. Uh, folks, if you do want to come, shoot us a DM. Let us know. Uh, tweet at us. Let, like, we want to know how many hot dogs to bring, right? We're not and promising hot dogs will be there, but like, let us know how many hot how dogs many we should bring. Eat. Because here's the thing, you can't, we're, we're your guys. We're the ones who are going to put this together. Do you think Greg has a grill? 
Do you think Gret does, has ever barbecued? Does you you think he knows what the word means? No, the answer is yeah, no. He to will that. show up with rice cakes if it's up to him, and that's being generous. So, Do you want rice cakes? Listen, guys, you got to give us a heads up because this isn't going to go well unless we know you're coming. We want you to come. We want to see all of you. We don't care if you're a longtime listener, if you're a first-time listener. We don't care if you've given us five-star reviews or five-star reviews. All we want is you to come and you will do fireball and you will drink beer and we will be merry and all will be well. Someone's going to audio clip parts of what you just said and it's not going to be good for you or your professional growth. We just want you to come. Uh, All right. uh, Plum, I guess where I land is this is a show me game. I'm not doom and gloom yet. Uh, I still have high hopes, and for right now, I say with sincerity, go green. Go white. Go white, gentlemen, as Greg would say. Yuck. Yuck. Right? It, we, I don't miss that. Just, I don't, it's, it didn't add anything to the podcast. It's like a rice cake on a meal. <laughs> just, yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> All right, bye, everyone.